Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep Moving Forward with Anthony DiDomenico, episode 203, coming at you live on Facebook, also on Instagram, over at Comic Anthony D. But as always, the podcast is available at kmfpodcast.podbean.com, as well as on iTunes. And while you're there, please do not forget to five-star rate and review. So important since we changed the format and name. Give a five-star rate and review. I love sharing them on social media and bragging about the best podcast listeners out there, and that's you guys. Built Bar is coming out with new flavors, flash sales, like crazy. You can get the candy cane flavored bar, which is actually a protein bar with sprinkles of candy cane on it. I don't know how much better you can get for the Christmas season. You can go to BuiltBar.com, use code Podcast, save at least 10% off your order. Same with Sailaway Coffee. The Sleigh Ride is still out there. You definitely want to get this Peppermint Mocha Nitro Brew. It is absolutely amazing. Go to SailawayCoffee.com. Use code WWBRO10. Save 10% off your order. The GoFundMe for my buddy John Ziegler is still live on my link tree over at Comic Anthony D. John's battling cancer. He's fighting hard. Really thankful. I know it's a tough time of year, but, you know, if anybody's got anything to give, you know, he's not working right now. Shows aren't as, as coming like they used to because of he's going what he's going through, but he appreciates everybody giving a little donation. And it's live over at Comic Anthony D, so you can check that out. There will be a bonus episode this week. I'm going to try to do it Wednesday, but you can get that over at patreon.com slash Podcast, as well as all the other bonus episodes there. And there's one up now. It's a link to a podcast I used to do called Organized Chaos. And it's actually about the the longest and worst first date I ever had. It actually spans over two days, and I have the girl's best friend as a guest on the podcast. So it just happened that she was on the podcast that week. We went out. Anyway, check it out over at patreon.com slash Podcast. But I'm really excited um, about this episode this week. Uh, so I'm not going not gonna to keep you guys waiting too much longer. Uh, without further ado, I want to bring up my guest on, Jared. Jared, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. How's it going? I'm doing great. Everybody knows Jared from Bowling for Soup. Really excited to have you on the podcast uh, tonight. Um, glad my friend Tracy set this up. Um, yeah. you, recently on Tracy's podcast, uh, Teen Mom and all the other ones, right? Tracy is the best. She's my new favorite friend. She is everybody's and, friend. <laughs> um, I uh, am so glad that I uh, – so I, me and my wife are Teen Mom addicts not like you know like in the real world but the yeah. show <laughs> and uh so i just i randomly commented on you know something that they were doing and and uh she asked me to be on the show and we became fast friends so yeah it's cool that she hooked this up man she's uh she's thrown me a couple of guests for my podcast as well and um and i'm always i'm always happy to to jump in and and meet new friends and this is cool yeah i'm really excited to have you on and she's like um She'll always like, oh, I have to have this person. I got to have this person on. And it's funny because, like, I only, I like Teen Mom, but I'm only an OG fan. I only watch OG. Yeah. Um, right. So she'll always like, she'll have me on her podcast, but it's kind of weird because when they're in other seasons, I don't know what's going yeah. on. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, the Teen Mom franchise for me is all good. I, I, uh, I, I like OG. I like Teen Mom too. And I'll, I'll do the Young and Pregnant. Um, I even watch uh, Unexpected. So any and all of those uh, of those where that's the theme for some reason those ones seem to be just uh, can I cuss on here I should probably ask before oh uh, yeah uh, a little bit I'll give just I'll a little bit of cussing a little bit of cussing 
Okay, so a poop show. Then uh, <laughs> it's just enough poop show. Um, I probably should have asked you if I could cuss before we started because I have a potty mouth, but I also have hit songs and I know how to do radio, <laughs> so uh, we'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, we'll we'll be okay. Speaking of uh, hit songs, I I really think in, that you wrote the song "Girls All the Bad Guy Want uh, Guys Want" with me in mind. Um, <laughs> Are you the, a girl? All the bad guys want. No, I'm, I'm I'm the guy that wants the bad okay, girl. Got, yeah, got um, I wish I was anybody anybody wanted, but anyway, because <laughs> um, the whole wrestling thing when the the minute you mentioned yeah. wrestling, it was funny uh, when, the, when the song first came out. I was down in Florida with my cousin and his wife, and when that came on, she's like, "Oh my god, that's like your song." <laughs> you know, imagine if you actually found a girl who liked wrestling. But more of that, it's to me, it was like when I started going to punk shows in the late '90s. Those girls at the shows with the fishnets and the plaid yeah. and. All that that was like me and my friends were like oh my god if we can only work up the courage to go ahead <laughs> and talk to one of those girls right yeah I mean you know the the funnily enough the song is really more about the guy I mean that's where it started I mean we yeah. were really wanting to to write the the singers that are mad at their dad is really the first line we had for that song. Uh, and so the video plays more into where where the song came from. Uh, but yeah, obviously that one was huge for us. Grammy nominated in 2003 and, uh, you know, crossed us over into pop radio, mm -hmm. which is crazy because we were, you know, failing miserably at rock radio. And, uh, you know, pop punk really wasn't like a household name at the time. And so um, it, it, it just made it. It made a lot of sense once we crossed over and found that home, and then you know, a lot of our peers also started to to have hits over there on pop radio as well. It was, uh, it was a really really good time. Almost twenty years ago, it's crazy. It, it's crazy. You know, I, people think like they say ten years ago. I still think it's like ninety five. Yeah, like that's yeah, what. Right. <laughs> but it's it's crazy. It's, it's, it is twenty years. I was laying there today, like, it, do you do that, like, do you do, like, the thing where you do the math with, like, the end of your life, you know, like, I'm, I'm, super, scared of, I'm super scared of dying, but it's not like I'm scared of the afterlife or anything, I just feel like I'm gonna have really big uh, FOMO, you know, like, fear of missing out, because it's like, you know, you want to be around for certain things, and you're like, man, I'm, you know, I want to see the iPhone 24, you know, like, I, I want to be here for that, and, but I was laying there today, and I was like, God, it, it seems so nuts that, you know, we started the band in 1994, and we didn't have a hit until 2003, so almost 10 years. And to me, that seemed like an eternity, but it's basically been double that amount of time since we had that hit. Yeah. And it's all gone by in a flash, you know. But that, those are the kinds of things that I lay awake. This is this is the reason <laughs> I can't sleep, you know. I mean, believe me, I a lot of those things too keep me up at night. As far as like the whole like same thing, I don't want to die, but like you know, I don't want to miss things either. It's like yeah, man. Like, you know, it's, you, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, well, the Islanders going to win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. I I, I need that. Like I've, I've been with this team for so long. Like I don't want to miss that. I missed the, <laughs> miss the early ones. Like, yeah. um, but it's crazy. You said like nine years before a hit. Now, when I first started doing comedy, um, one of the bookers at the local clubs. He just told us right off the bat, he's like, you're not going to get good for 10 years. This yeah. is, you're going to, like, in 10 years, it's going to be just enough time so you don't suck that bad. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, you're like, oh, my God, 10 years. But it really does take like, about yeah. 10 years, if you're really serious about something, to, to, to master the craft. And, you know, it's you took. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, did you think you were good? Like, yeah. when you look back <laughs> upon that, like, in the first 10 years, 
did you think you had it and you were just like, why am I not getting this kind of, or, or, and then 10 years later you looked back on it and you were like, okay, I wasn't ready. Or, you know, cause you do, you tell me that and then I'll tell you how it was for us. Okay. So yeah. So what, you know, when I first started doing, I thought I was like the greatest thing. I thought I was like Chris rock. I mean, like, like, this is like, why am I not on the stage at Madison square garden? Like, why am I not performing in front of 70,000 people? And it's funny now because like I don't I don't put a lot of uh, videos of my comedy out because with comedy you want them to come see you it's a sure you want the material to be fresh absolutely um so they find these videos from like 2012 13 and they're like oh my god this was hilarious they send me the clip and I'm like I'm embarrassed like I'm like I can't yeah. believe I said that on stage but I was like at the time I'm like oh this is this is groundbreaking I, I'm, right. I'm like the the comedy genius but really it's it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, so similarly, you know, I'm really glad we had those nine years of of, um, you know, being in the bus and or being in the van. Uh, it's nine years, ten, 10 years in when we got on a tour bus, too. Um, and we did our first showcase for labels in 1997. Um, so three years in. And I remember driving up to New York and thinking, OK, this is it. You know, I mean, this is like what dreams made up, are made of and all of that. And quite frankly, we were told we weren't ready. Uh, Monty Littman from uh, Republic Records actually, you know, told us, "Just like, man, we're we're about to sign this band called Godsmack. They're selling 500 units a week in Boston. We're going to sign this band called Oleander. Um, they're doing the you know kind of same thing." And I'm just like, "Well, son of a bitch!" And then you know, a few months later, those bands are on the radio, you know, and I'm like, you know, and then, but then as I started to look back on it a few years later. Though I I still think that we were good, and you you can actually see that showcase on the internet, by the way. Oh, really? You can see, yeah, yeah, okay. it's there. Um, you can see what we were like the first time we had a showcase, and there's no question getting out there and being on the road and and just hardships and all these things, and then just being a lethal live band. Uh, there's no question that by the time we got signed in 2000. And then, uh, you know, our first album did not do all that well. And then the second album with Jive um, obviously had a hit. Uh, you know, I look back on it and I do I am like, man, I'm glad we did not sign a deal. We weren't ready. We didn't have the chops. We we may have been OK live and we were good performers and all that, but we were not the songwriters. You know, I definitely was not the songwriter I needed to be yet. You know, it wasn't the guitar player I needed to yeah. be yet. I was self-taught and. Um, so that's interesting. I, I find so many similarities between comedy and, and music as far as things like that go. You know, I mean, it seems like those kind of things come up a lot. Yeah, because I think it's a it's a craft that it takes time. And like you said, even with writing, like, you know, yeah. when when you first like when I first started, there's concepts and premises that you have that, you you know, in your head is funny, but you can't. Yeah. You can't get it down on paper. It's not coming out the right way because you have to learn how to write. You have to learn right. how to to get this out. And it's something that you might think is funny. There was a kid that was doing one of the open mics at one of the clubs. And I was down there doing a guest spot and he was doing a, a bit about his mother dying of cancer. Right. And the premise was so great. He just didn't have the ability to get the funny out of it yet. Mm, right. And somebody actually called and complained about it saying that, you know, I find that offensive that he's talking about cancer. And the, the person around the mic was like, well, no, actually, you don't understand what he was trying to do. It's like, it's actually a very funny bit. He just wasn't polished enough to get through it. And I can right. see that with music because my, my buddy is a musician. My best friend has been in bands and, um, you know, been playing music for over 20 years. 
And some you, you see it like you get something going, you get close, and then it's always like, how do you get to that next step? And mm-hmm. like you were saying too, you're in that showcase and you know, you felt like you were ready, but other people don't feel like you're ready. Yeah. What do you think like I think that today that the problem is shows like for, for music, maybe American Idol and for maybe like for comedy, last comic standing mm. that kind of take that away, that rejection and um, and and that that fight to get to where you are. Do you think like, let's say. I don't know, maybe you guys came out with a single or got signed four years in. Mm. Do you think you're still a band today? Um, Probably not. Um. You know, I don't think that – I think had we gotten signed on that first showcase, I, I think we would have probably failed miserably. I, again, I don't I, – but then again, you know, I mean I say that and I, I say that just based upon my experience and what I learned over the next few years is and, and how our relationship as a band and as a unit changed and why we're so different from other bands. I mean – we actually really like each other. (laughs) Imagine that, right? (laughs) And most of our, uh, not most, I I shouldn't say that, but a lot of friends of ours that are in bands, you know, they have, there's, there's, there's inter-turmoil. There's, there's dudes that can't stand one another. There's guys that stay away from each other. There's, you know, there's uh, egos, there's people taking credit for stuff that they, they shouldn't take credit for and vice and people that take credit for things that they should. And then others get mad, you know, um, so there's a lot of that stuff I think that that being in a van for nine years and learning to just survive on the road and being able to live off $180 a month, you know, um, there's something and and being that kind of unit and knowing that you did it together, um, that is what I think still drives us and makes us so strong. So. I'm glad everything played out the way that it did. That being said, I know me and I know what my drive is and was. So I would have done everything I could yeah. to make make sure that it worked, but it would have been different. I mean, we would have made it differently for sure. Like I was definitely not ready to write a pop hit yet, but I think we were a good band and we wrote good songs. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's, it's the hypothetical is when I look back, I would probably say no. But then again, I need to give myself enough credit to know that there really wasn't a mountain that I didn't feel like I could climb back then. Um, That's a great way to to view it. I mean, because like yeah. you're getting into this business that you know any kind of show business is not is is not forgiving at all, and you have to yeah. really want it. So, when was like that that moment you had when you're like, I want to be a musician. This is what I have to do, and I'm not going to stop until it happens. Sure. Um, so there's a couple of those. I mean, there's the the moment as a kid where you know I heard Ozzy for the first time, and I always joke about this because <laughs> Ozzy was so different in 1982, 83. You know, back then he was the Prince of Darkness, and people were terrified of him, and his music was so crazy and cool, and you know, and it's not his fault that now you hear Crazy Train at every football game, and it's on car commercials and stuff. Yeah, but it's hilarious that people's reaction to me going, yeah, I heard Ozzy Osbourne and it changed my life. And they're like, what? Like the guy from the reality show, that's like <laughs> the babbling guy that, you know, whatever. And it's just like, it's funny how life is, you know, and you know, even kiss, you know, we're so yeah. crazy. Ozzy changed my life. Uh, just listening to it for the first time and just how mysterious it was and all of that. And then visually I saw Motley Crue, uh, and that changed my life again. And so as a kid, you know, there were definitely several years where I wanted to be a rock star. That 
went away fairly quickly, you know, as I realized like, man, I'm, that's not really me. I'm more of a business guy and all this. So I actually started my own business at 17 and, uh, had a couple of companies through college and, uh, some of them fairly successful, but, you know, as, you know, circumstances kind of made it to where they, they couldn't keep going. And I ended up getting two college degrees and oh, wow, my senior year in, in college is where we started Bowling for Soup. And so I had been so responsible and so just like I didn't party. I mean, I didn't even drink really. Well, you're running businesses at, at such a young yeah, age. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, I was working at I was working 80 hours a week and still going to school. And uh, so really, honestly, man, once Bowling for Soup started, it was kind of became this big release. Well, we were playing a show in Abilene, Texas, um, a year and a half or so after we started the band. And it's packed show, citywide event, and hundreds of people were singing all of the words to all of our songs. And that was the moment where yeah. I was just like, okay, guys, I think we can do this. And here again, we go back and talk about that trust in our relationship. I was very um, I was very direct with my band at the time, and I said, I think I have this figured out, and if you want to go for it, we can, but you have to do everything I say, and you have to trust me. And everybody you know, basically signed that in blood, not really, but did, and we gave up our lives. You know, We missed weddings and funerals and birthdays, and um, you know, we missed a lot of things that you know that that you know, if you look back on it and you're like, had I not made that decision I made, you there would be a lot of regret, yeah, but this that's what we decided to do and that's what we were in in together and you know quite frankly you know uh many years down the road <laughs> it worked out okay you know but like i said you you look back on those things and you're like you know well i missed this it cost us a couple of marriages you yeah. know it's, it's uh you know the the but it's not again it's not unlike what you guys do you know where uh i guess the the benefit of being a comedian is that and this is what chad daniels was telling me about like when he had kids, he was like, but I could go home, you know, Monday through Wednesday if I wanted to, you know, and, uh, and, and cause you know, that's, that's just sort of the way that you guys th that operates, but still it's the same amount of missing. Things. Yeah. I mean, I, I missed a lot of stuff too. Like, you know, and it's cause it's the weekends and it's, it's yeah. nights and, and even, you know, when I first started doing comedy, it was open mics every during the week. It was, you know, it was shows on the weekend, open mics during the week. And people would say, oh, you could just miss that. I'm like, no, I can't. I, I can't miss that. You know, and I remember like my uncle's, I think it was his um, his 60th birthday dinner I missed because I had a Montreal edition the night the next day. And I, I had to run this set one more time before the audition. I, I was going to be in front of people. I mean, I didn't get it. And it was... But I was I was I had to run this set. I had to make sure it was perfect. I had to make sure that when I got on stage that, you know, they did it on Monday night because it was a special showcase. I had to make sure that when I got on stage, it was perfect. And this is it was run and rehearsed and everything. And and people either they get it or they don't get it. And like you said, with relations, I've never been married, um, came close a couple of times. But, you know, for me, when I meet somebody, they hear I'm a comedian in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I think they think it's great. It's, yeah. you know, but then when you start canceling plans last minute because you got booked or things yeah. like that, I think also the rose colors, color glasses start coming off. Yeah. And it's not all like, you know, people think show business, they're thinking like, you know, oh, it's, it's all, gla it's not glamorous. It's, it's the pits. Oh, like no, you said nine years in a van. I mean, that's not, yeah. 
I mean, it's, they, it's 22 hours of boredom. Yeah. <laughs> you, know. Uh, you know, two that you said, um, you know, for us, you know, you talk about like missing your uncle's birthday or whatever. Yeah. Like we had, I had to just say, look, we just don't do that anymore because if I've got four guys and at the time I had one crew guy who was basically, we treated him as if he made the same amount of money we did. We were all members of the band. You got five guys. Well, if everybody needed two weekends off a mm-hmm. month, you just took 20% of your year. Oh no, no, a year. Sorry. Two, two weekends off, or two weekends off a year. 20% of the weekends just went out the door. Yeah. So it's like, we don't even ask me. You know, like Not if happy. you're yeah. you're around, and it's still like that when a crew guy uh, joins now, or you know, band guys and you know whatever. It's don't ask me if you now at least a band guy can go, hey, I want to be home for this or this. And then we we are, we're at the point where we can say, okay, we will we'll mark that weekend off. You yeah, know, obviously. And you know now we've got kids and and that's all family's first now. But back then, no. First, you no, you can't be off for that. And the other rule that we had was, is you if we're ever invited to anything, a birthday party, or I mean, on a, a, an after party, or we get asked to play something, or you know, we say yes to everything. And so. After parties became this thing to where it's like it didn't matter to me if you were sick or if I was sick. We went because you go to an after party. There were 20 people at your show. There's 15 at the after party and 10 more people show up. And the next time you go to town, there's 50 people at your part at your at your show. And I was like, this is the only way to do this. You know, you're going to have we're going to have to build it. And, you know, like I said, it worked. We, We built it. Um, in smaller towns first, and then and then got started trading shows with bands that were bigger and bigger cities, yeah. so that could, they could do their markets and and uh, yeah, man, it was just about you know, and like I said, the the, the most glorious day of our lives were where we decided we're going to say no from now on to every birthday party and wedding we ever get offered, and it's still to this day multiple times a week where we're like. Uh, yeah, could you guys uh, maybe do a few songs at our wedding? No, nope, we have a strict no wedding policy. <laughs> if you want me to do sets at weddings, I'm like, I don't want to do a set at your wedding. Like, <laughs> oh man, you know, weddings are the it sucks so bad because the bride and groom are stoked you're there. Yeah, but they're the only two people that care. <laughs> and you know, it's like there's and then and you know, you've got people like actually holding their ears and stuff, and then little kids are dancing on the dance floor, and people are taking pictures of that, you know, and you're yeah. just up there saying. All the bad guys want, and then they're just you know, kids are frolicking everywhere, and people are in the buffet line, like you're bugging them. It's just, uh, it's horrible. And birthday parties are just as bad. The old people always like, I can't with the the noise, yeah. And they're always like, Oh no, our group is really fun, yes, we've heard that before. No, but our friends are cool, everybody really likes you guys, yeah. No, it's you're never getting one past us again on that shit. Yeah, people always like, oh, like, oh, it'll be fun. You just do a couple of minutes. I'm like, it's not going to be fun. It's it's going to be the worst time of no, your it, life. No one's be paying attention. Right. It's, yeah. People always like, well, just get up and do it now. I'm like, yeah. what? In the middle of this party? Let me attention, yeah. please. Like, it's it'd be the worst idea ever. Yeah. Did you hear your best man's speech? That was freaking hilarious. And he didn't get one laugh. I'm not yeah. going up there, you know, to do this, to do actual comedy. That was actually the most nervous I've ever been was my brother's, uh, wedding i had to do a best man speech he had two people he had his best friend since kindergarten and me we were the two we were co-best men yeah he went first and did killed like it was like everybody was laughing because he's doing all these inside jokes and the the friends and everything 
And then he, he literally goes, all right, Rodney Dangerfield, let's see what you got. And like that whole day, people are like, oh, it's, it's got to be hilarious. I actually did really well, but it was that was the most nerve wracking I ever was because I'm not in my setting. I'm not at a comedy club. Right. I'm in yeah. front of friends and family that like when they do come see me, I don't like when they sit in front. I don't want to see them. I won't, I'm talking yeah. about them. I don't I want them to be far away. I don't I don't want any of that pressure. It shouldn't be like that anyway, man. It's like, you know, my sister one time I, at Christmas was like, hey, do you want to get a guitar out and play some songs for the kids? And and I was like, <laughs> I don't just know Christmas songs. You know, like, I, it's not I'm like, you know, it's like I got a friend who's a brick mason like I, he doesn't show up and me just go, hey, you want to just mason <laughs> for a bit? Like you want to just <laughs> knock out some brickwork? While while you're here, I need you a know, fire pit. <laughs> Can you just make a celebrating fire? Celebrating birthday, you know what I mean? We have repair that needs to be made on the chimney. You think you could knock that out real quick for the kids? No, it's because they don't, they don't. People don't understand what goes into it. Like you were saying, like the success takes sacrifice, and it's sure. And to achieve any goal, really, it's like you know putting all this, you know, aside. And you, you mentioned like relationships kind of fell to the wayside. So. When you're you're younger, you're starting this band. You started the band, uh, like '94, correct? That yeah, was when the band yeah. first started. Was this your first band ever, or were you in other bands before then? No, man, I was in bands all when I was a kid. I was okay. a drummer first, and so I was in usually in the best bands in in Wichita Falls, Texas, and uh, you know, and then um, yeah, I was always doing other stuff. And the band before Bowling for Soup was doing really well, um, but our bass player wanted to move and we didn't we weren't really ready for that yet and uh so uh that band you know fell apart but um so is that one guy that wants to move or something doesn't want to move yeah you know it he was he was actually in the right it was kind of the right move for us at the time and had we moved i mean honestly i think that band could have been successful as well had we moved down to you know the bigger city Mm -hmm. or whatever um but you know hindsight Again, I don't know that I was really ready from a from from a personal standpoint because again, I still had at that point I was building above ground swimming pools and doing pretty well at it, and uh, you know I it it just didn't make a lot of sense for me. And I again, I don't know that I I, I didn't really aspire to make it still at that point. I mean, even like I said, even when I started bowling for soup, it was all just for fun until you know that that magic moment in 1996. Do you think it's the punk rock thing that, that punk bands, maybe they, they come into it and they're like, they're not really into it just to make it. They like, they'll play music. They want to get their message out and they want to do that. Yeah. Cause I know when I was in high school and uh, I graduated in 97 from high school and a couple of years before then, like green day released like a, it was a, you know, they, they said they sold out, you know, it was a whole sellout thing. And any, sure. the Boston's then sold out. Like it was every band that ever put a, an album out that, was like you know mainstream they would call them sellouts so did, did, was that like in the back of your mind at the time that like i'm just going to play for myself and i don't want to really be released cuz i'm not going to be respected by the other bands no um you know i talked to uh i talked to the offspring about that um and i've i've talked to a few different legends about that thing and i think when you when you're when you're the dudes who it's happening to, I mean, it's hard not to listen to. I mean, essentially, the word sellout means that a group of people who used to hold you dear and in this little box, uh, people that they know opened the box. Okay, and so basically, you sold out because people know who you are. 
that's very unfair because even in punk rock, there's not really many people who don't want people to hear and like their music. Bottom line, yeah. if you're taking the time to learn songs, to work up <clears throat> songs, to write songs, to record said songs, the idea is for people to enjoy those songs. And so just because something that you do catches a wave and you manage to do that and 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 ride that ride, it doesn't make you a sellout. And it doesn't make you a sellout to alter what you sound like. I mean, people grow, people yeah. change. But I you know, I mean, you know, can you imagine um, you know, I obviously everybody's a Beatles you're either a Beatles person or you're not. I happen to think that that even though the Beatles did borrow from a lot of other, you know, African American rock stars, rock and rollers that never made it, and and you know, Buddy Holly and all that, had the Beatles not existed, music wouldn't be what it is today, and I fully believe that. Me too. But just how different every single one of their albums is. Can you imagine if we were if 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 just because all of a sudden at Sergeant Pepper's, people are like, well, that doesn't sound like I want to hold your hand, so they sold out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. It's cr- that's insane. Especially watching um, that. Let it be on on Apple. Yeah, I think it was Apple. Um, I haven't watched it yet because I'm me and my father in law are taking a day during the Christmas okay. holiday. Watch the whole thing in one day. It's amazing. So, it really is I, I, like I, I, I and I don't mind spoilers. By the way, I I so I do know. But my friends know they. Yeah. Just, I don't care. Uh, but I, the things that I've heard, I just absolutely can't wait. Yeah, I mean, and the, watching that, I'm, I'm listen. I'm watching this band, and I'm like, because I'm thinking like I remember the Beatles. You know, I listened. My my parents, you know, always had the Beatles on, and you heard like as, even as a kid, you got to like you know, you saw from like when the they first came to America to like when they stopped. Like it's yeah, bands grow. Yeah, comedians grow. Any kind of artist will grow and you yeah. know adapt to it, and I kind of enjoy that. Like especially. You know, being, you know, now that I'm in comedy and I see comics when they first started to where they are and talking about the changes in their life, same thing with a band. I mean, yeah. there things happen. Like you, you know, when you first started, you were a kid in a van driving from city to city. Yeah. What you're talking about then, you're different than what you're talking about now as, 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 a, as a father and, you know, um, going through 20 something years of life. It, I mean, yeah. if you still sang about the same thing, I don't think your audience would like that. Right. I mean, you know, for the most part, we're a little different in that we haven't changed much. But I mean, if you go back to, say, Green Day or, say, Offspring or Mighty Mighty Boston's, any of those, and you listen to those first big records that they had, and then mm-hmm. you go back and listen to the two records before, it's not like they're doing anything different. No. You know, it's really not. Green Day actually is a, is a really interesting example because warning to me would have been should have been the album where everybody told them they sold out and that was freaking way commercial it mm-hmm. was not near com- as commercially successful as you know dookie and then you know obviously then american idiot comes out 10 years later and and now they're basically freaking u2 now uh, which is good you know i mean they, they uh you know they deserve it. But. They're one of my favorite bands to see live. Um, oh my god, they're so yeah. good. And he's always been like that, man. Even like back in the you know late eighties when you, I'd go see him in clubs down here, and he always had that energy. And there's just something special about the way that they all entertain. But especially Billy, he's he's definitely um, he's a one of a kind man. That kid is uh, that kid. He's Mike. <laughs> uh, he is uh, he's something that special. Go get it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm sure that comedians get that same thing though of the whole thing. Like, you know, um, I, you know, I, I, I would mention examples, but I don't, I don't ever know like what comedians know each other and stuff. So it's like, you know, whatever. But well, like even uh, like a guy like you know, you talk about people evolving. Um, Chappelle is doing it right now. I mean, sure, he, he's he released so many specials, but like a guy like Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Where you watch his first special, you know the what they're talking about is different because they they they're talking about you know he was like I guess talking about the first getting to New York and traffic and things like that and then they start talking about like you know having kids and things like yeah. that and it's just it's I like that progression and mm-hmm. I know for myself too like when I go back and listen to you know because I'm the only one really listening to it um, older <laughs> stuff to what it is now right. I'm talking about I've, you know it's ten I'll it'll be twelve years for me I think uh, yeah twelve years. Um, this this March that I, I first started doing comedy. And like from when I first started, I was in a different position than I am now as far as just, you know, lifestyle and everything else. That if I was still talking about that stuff, I don't think it would be as, as real or genuine. I mean, sure. it, it's got like a, a shelf life with it. And I think with the bands too, like I love when, the, you know, new stuff comes out and, you know, you, you listen to what they're going through. And to me, that that's it's exciting. You know, Carlin to me is the greatest comedian that ever lived. And you mm-hmm. listen to his stuff from the early things. He's all a, he's a hippie. He's talking about getting high. And he's talking about Catholic school and all of that stuff. And then he then he goes into being more of an observational comic or whatever. And then you know he comes up with a lot of uh, you know as real life starts to creep its way into what he was. But by the time that guy was you know in his late few specials, it was all just commentary on the world. Yeah. But it was so sharp and so spot on that it became, you know, it's Chris Rock does that too, uh, you know, from a different, a different angle, so to speak. But definitely that observational, like, hey, here's what's wrong with the world, mm-hmm. you know, and this is why it's funny. But you're, he's also almost teaching you a lesson. And man, that's a crazy evolution, you know, as, as far as someone is concerned to go from talking about you know, smoking pot and, and Catholic school to talking about, you know, uh, you know, the planet, the planet's fine. We're <laughs> fine. You know, like that's one of my favorite, favorite bits of his all the time are people like, we got to save the planet. We got to save, you know, the planet's doing great guys. It's us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, you know, and people have been sharing his clips, especially during the whole lockdown thing. Um, and they're kind of like par- using parallel, you know, his thinking to how it is then. Like, it's almost yeah. like he predicted the future in a way, with, yeah. like what was going to happen, which is is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but he was so, I think, so ahead of his time that he he kind of, you know, was on a different level. And he is, Man, to me, he's, he's the greatest of all time. Of all time. And I say it, um, you know, do you release the video? I'll just show you. But my wife, this, this is in here every day. See oh, Wow. Yeah, they, people see the video. Yeah, it's a- my wife painted that for me. Uh, That's awesome. Then, so every day when I'm actually singing, I turn around and I see that guy, you know, and uh, it just it's you know his he just creeped on our show. But I talk about it all the time. Like if I could bring back anybody, I I would love for him to be here and just just so that I could hear his commentary on just cancel culture and all of this. I would absolutely love it. But I I also wish. That Mitch Hedberg would have lived a full life because I can only imagine what that guy would be doing now, comedy wise. He was a genius. Um, Just a genius. I mean, it's 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 just it's mind boggling. You know, it's it's just crazy that comedy that that guy had. 
Yeah, I mean, the guys like that, you know, and Geraldo, too. Um, yeah. There's certain guys that, you know, you'd want to – like, Geraldo, too, had, like, a great way of looking at things. And um, and Hed, Hedberg was – I'm a big Howard Stern fan. Uh, you know, I grew up yeah. listening to Howard Stern since I was six. My my parents were Stern fans, so, like, I would always listen – hear it on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when Mitch Hedberg used to come on, I was, like, mesmerized. I didn't – you know, I wasn't even doing comedy yet. I didn't – I just yeah. would hear this guy, and I'm like – well, there's something special with that guy. That that guy's different, and right. he's got a talent that like no one else had, and that that was a real shame. And it's it's crazy, you know. You see it in music too, like these people just they go too too soon, and um, another parallel there, you yeah, know, another parallel that we have several, you know, mental health uh, is a huge concern in both of our communities. Yeah. Drugs, you know, alcohol, like uh, you know, all of the all of the demons. It seems like we kind of all have them, you know, and uh, another parallel line I draw all the time is like comedians want to be actors. Actors want to be musicians and musicians want to either be comedians or actors. I want to be both. I want to be an actor and I want to be a musician. <laughs> I always yeah. wanted to be in a punk band. Like me and my, my best friend, Nick, who was actually a musician. He's actually in bands now. Right. But like we were like, we were younger in like high school. We had a fake band. Right. And it was, uh, it was called Veda Saltenfuss. It was, it was, we were going to name it after, and we we're going to have the intro, like when in My Girl, when Jamie Lee Curtis is introducing the family and she says Veda Saltenfuss, and the guy's like, Veda Saltenfuss, tough, tough break. And we're like, I like my name. And they're going to have it go right into one of the first songs. They're like, That's we had great. the whole thing planned. That's a great name for a band. Actually. Yeah. We didn't know how to play any instruments at the time. Like, I didn't know how to play anything. He wasn't playing anything, but we had a band. It was all it was... of my early bands were fake too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, we already had logos. And I, I was already, I was always going to be a good merchandiser if I wasn't anything else because we always had logos and like, you know, we could get stickers made. We've never had a rehearsal. <laughs> you know, yeah, we had all like the T-shirts that we were going to make with it and stuff like that. And then he like just he picked up a bass one day and started playing. He always wanted to be yeah. in a band and he did it. Um, he actually had a song play on the radio uh, last night. He wrote a um, oh. a song and he had a play. So, I mean, it's just you never stop plugging. And that's the yeah. that's you know, the that's you know. the message, you know, and uh, that's what, you know, now you guys look at over 25 years later, you guys are still doing this. Yeah. Did you ever right. think that was going to happen? Like you guys be doing this this long? No, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm on record several times in my thirties, you know, saying, you know, I, it's not like I'm going to be 40, you know, <laughs> telling fart jokes and singing songs about high school for a living. And now I turn 50 in March and I'm telling fart jokes and singing songs about high school for a living. So <laughs> no, I, uh, I did not think that that's what, honestly, man, I, I, I thought I would parlay this into something else. I figured I would either be an actor or, or, or a comedian <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, neither of those really worked out. I mean, I, but again, I kind of, I mean, I, most of our show is comedy. It's all like off the, you know, we, everything off the yeah. cuff rehearse i mean in between songs and stuff and then you know i'm a voice actor now and uh doing tons of, of voice work and and uh, and that's acting so you know it, it kind of all came around but you know i mean i i don't know man i guess i guess there's part of me that thought it's just because the road gets pretty tough um and it and it does get harder and it gets it's hard on your body and you know, we're, we're not the healthiest of guys. We tend to, we, we go pretty hard when we're on the road. We still drink like we're 16, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, and, and again, it's, you know, you're confined to this 
moving p- petri dish down the highway and you're sleeping in a coffin sized thing and you're you know it's just it's just a it's not the the easiest of conditions but i wouldn't trade it for anything i mean i when we still get on that bus and you know uh, <laughs> my friends come out and they tour with us or you know my wife comes out on on pretty much any tour that we do that's more than 2 weeks she comes out for a few days and that's always enough for her she loves it but she's just like i don't know how you guys do this you know for the the amount of time that you do and and you know we're we're not doing it near near what we do i mean we used to do 275 shows a year wow um and uh we're not any, anywhere close to that now so well, how was it for you during during COVID? Like when when shows weren't happening, like was it like a big shock? Like all of a sudden, like I know for me it was like I did this every day, and then all of a sudden now there's nothing. Man, I got to tell you, uh, it was it was a it was a bit of a whirlwind at first. You know, in March that you know we had just come off of our biggest tour ever um, in February. We had just toured the UK. We were doing a few arenas and biggest audiences we've ever had um, globally, really. Uh, except and, unless you're considering festivals, but you know, our own headlining shows biggest we've ever done. And that's, that's an ongoing thing. The growth of, of what we're doing is it seems to be expanding and which is again, crazy 27 years in. Um, and so, you know, we, I, you know, we, we came off of that and I had a birthday, um, on the sixth, I played a show. Then we did one more show. This is crazy, but we actually played a uh, Mardi Gras thing down in Galveston, and we played the Corona stage. (laughs) And I'm up there joking the whole time because this coronavirus is coming, and nobody knows, you know, what the hell. No, no one knows about to happen, yeah. (laughs) Dude, the next week, the world just shut down, right? And my kids are home for spring break, and and then they're like, hey, we're going to leave them home one more week. And I remember going – they're not going back to school. Like no. this happened way too fast, guys. We're all sitting in our in this group with our friends, and um, so at first I was fine. You know, we kind of made this arrangement with uh, with our buddies here in the neighborhood that you know we would only go to their house, they would only come to our house. Um, three couples, and we've all got kids, so you know we had it planned out. We're like, even if we have to do this for a while, it's gonna be great. What happened to me though? Was I started seeing my calendar. I'm a calendar driven person. So I know, okay, I'm gone this time, but then I have to do this, this, and this. Okay, here's my free time where I can do this. I can spend time with this and this, do this. Like it's all very, very, you know, there it is. Well, my calendar started disappearing instead of filling in. And all of a sudden it was like, I have a full the rest of this year and it's just gone. Yeah. And it, it was planned out. Like it was going to be this crazy good year for us. And it was gone, and I. It took me a week or two, and then you know I I'm pretty vocal about this. So any of your listeners that know me, uh, I, I I you know going through my divorce um, many years not not many years ago, but several years ago, uh, I started experiencing uh, anxiety and depression for the first time, and that's something now that I deal with every single day. And man, did it just kick in with a fury once I realized, like, man, I have no purpose. You know, I mean, I'm like getting up and feeding the dogs and making sure the kid eats and, you know, kissing the wife and brushing my teeth. And then what, you know, so I just started doing shows from my house, you know? Um, and uh, I know a lot of musicians got on Facebook and all of that. I started doing a thing on stage it and, uh, man, I played, uh, over a hundred shows, uh, wow. in, 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 okay. the rest of that year. I raised a bunch of money for charity, um, over a hundred grand for different charities. And, uh, you know, I managed to pay the bills here. And, um, 
that's how I did it. I just kept busy. I wrote two records. I wrote a new Bowling for Soup record and a solo country record. Both will be coming out really soon. So um, my wife would joke and say, uh, it's like, you know, I see you less than I do when you're on tour and we sleep in the same bed because I was just in this studio just constantly just doing and doing and doing, you know. Uh, that's how I did it, man. I, I just, uh, I came out of it, you know, in an okay place and, uh, with great, with good content, good product and, uh, you know, I, and my sanity still intact. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it's, it's good. Like, you know, that that's good that you have anxiety, but that you talk about it because I feel like I've started talking about mine more because this yeah. year it really, I, it got to me. Like I, I had my first really bad anxiety attack. It was a couple of years ago and then I didn't have anything for a little while. And then I remember the day because my niece's birthday, February 5th, I was at my day job mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it just came over. I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And I said to my office manager, I can't breathe. And they called the ambulance, came in and they were checking my stats and everything. And that's how like it kind of brought me down because they kept on reassuring me that I was okay. Yeah. Like, you know, he was like, he's like, your blood pressure is lower than mine and you're mid panic attack. You're going to be okay. Like, you know, everything's fine. Like, you know, just try to get back into that. Um, and I did, I, I still struggle with it. Um, yeah. it's just, it's a thing that, you know, it's not going away and no. I have to just live with it. You, you do, but you also have to do what you have to do to make sure that you're happy and you have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. And, and I think it's important for you to talk about it too. You know, I think all of us, and especially again, it's a, especially men, they, cause we don't, it's labeled no, as no, like, you know, everything. Well, and, yeah. and, you know, comedians and musicians, yeah. like it's an epidemic, you know, it's like, um, you know, so many high profile guys that you would have thought, you know, there's, there's a video of Chester, um, from, uh, Lincoln park, you know, the day before his death at a birthday party and he's the happiest dude you've, you know, you could ever see. And then, you know, so you just, you know, it, I mean, had he, you know, figured a way to, to communicate that, you know, he would probably still be on the planet and yeah. Rob Williams in your world, you know, and then obviously Chris Cornell and, um, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. And, and, you know, what's funny is the more I talk about it, the more, uh, and, and here, here's the other thing too, is I never wanted it to be like a cause. And that was the big thing that I feared was if I start talking about this, then people are going to come back and be like, Oh, the funny guy, what you got like platinum records and you're unhappy. I'm sorry. You know, cheer up fatty. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I was legitimately, um, concerned about that. But then once I told my story the first time and the reaction that I got, I was like, you know what? Well, F those people. Seriously. Because yeah. I'm, if I can, honest. if I can talk about what's going on with me and, and every time I say something about it or post something or whatever, one person is like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm going to talk to my doctor or I'm going to reach out to my sister or, you know, I'm going to uh, something, I'm going to, whatever it is, then you know, then I can take that. I, I, my skin is thicker than what any anybody any hater is going to give me anyway, because chances are I'm way more successful than they are. Yeah. So, and that's what bothers yeah. me to begin with. I mean, that's the right. that's the real you know get down to it, and they'll just find yeah. something to to pick at you about. Um, oh man, yeah, how is that though? For like for a comedian, I mean, you know, because I could tell you how it is for a musician, but I didn't mean to well, change the subject. That's right. If I was more successful, I might know a little more about it, but no. <laughs> <laughs> is that like social media hatred or whatever and people oh. just coming at you so I, just... I get it more from the weight loss angle of it 
because um, okay. I've, I've lost some weight, right? Yeah, I'm down over uh, over a hundred pounds. Um, I was up at one point. I was over two. I was down two hundred pounds, but you know, cake like things and anxiety happened. Um, Dude, listen to me very carefully. COVID, uh, first of all, but I I was actually like in shape. Like, go watch my videos, man. I used to look good. Uh, and then depression and anxiety hit, and I gained over a hundred pounds. I'm yeah. just a, I'm a big fatty now, and and I can't lose it. I, I I everything I try, you know, I just I get sucked back into, you know, cheese and beer. It's and, tough, uh, yeah. It's it's crazy, especially uh, on the road. I mean, like you know, comedy clubs, it's fried road, food, it and it's ruins everything. Yeah, man. It's uh, yeah. But I got I got haters from that, and people will pick at me through that stuff more than comedy um what, what do they hate on about that is what what is that what's the angle of hating on somebody for losing weight or that you've gained some of it back well not no they love when i gain i'm like one of them that's 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 the problem oh, so it's other fat people yeah they like it's i look at it, it's crabs in a barrel that's like my like whole you, thing like you bailed on them yeah and like oh they are mad at themselves for not being successful that like they'll pick at anything you do like i'm right. a i'm a cigar smoker Sure. I I don't drink, I don't smoke like cigarettes. I don't I don't do any drugs or anything. I like to sit and have a cigar, relax. First of all, it relaxes me. Like I can sit at the end of the day at the yeah. lounge. I got the the hockey game on, baseball, whatever I'm watching, and I'm I zone out. And that's like my just kind of like you know getting the day out. You know, just relaxing. Sure. They'll like they'll like you know they'll DM me. That I'm, you know, I'm a bad person for smoking cigars. How dare I publicize that? Mm. Now, meanwhile, I'll go to their page and they're drinking the liquor store. So I'm like, well, where are you like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing? Or they just like, you know, anytime you have like a little gain or this, they'll tell you, they'll tell you why or they're. That's the worst. Oh, you post something like, you know, where you're proud of yourself. They'll be like, well, it's not going to last if you keep doing this. It's like, that's where I got most of the hate from. And with comedy, it was more like the local scene. Because I started getting spots a little early on at the clubs and the the, the crew I was kind of running with or, or the open mics, they like turned on me. And that was kind of like weird for me because I'm like, well, aren't we all in this together? It's not like a team. No one, like if I get spots, doesn't mean you're not going to get spots. Like it's not a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I've, I have two ways to deal. First, I'm like, yeah, F him, whatever. But then I get like my temper. I have a Sicilian temper that was like, so it's, you know, I want to like get back at them, but I, I can't. So I, it's, it's tough. I, I deal do with you, that. Do you lash out back or do yeah. you just take it? Oh, no, I lash. I'm, I'm a lot of the comics around here call me Mr. Unpleasant because I, um, I'm not good at like, if something's bothering me, it's on my face. I don't have a poker face. And if someone says something I don't like, I just say it back because I'm, I'm just not going to deal with it. Like if, like I was in a green room once and, I was talking about getting a new tattoo and someone made a dumb fat joke. He was like, well, I guess I got to use more ink. I'm like, why would they have to use more ink? Yeah. And he's like, well, because I'm like, no, you said it. Now I want you to explain it to me because you're not smart enough now to, to work your way out of this. Right. And then I started showing my other tattoos. I'm like, this would fit on your body, right? That's the same size. Like that would fit on your arm, right? I, I'm like everyone's like, just let it go. I'm like, I can't let it go because he's, he's being an idiot. And I want everybody right. to know what an idiot he is. Yeah. You could have gone with, Hey, you've got a lot more room, you know, or you're a <laughs> you're an awfully big canvas. Yeah, like, something okay, like sure, I can get a hundred more tattoos than you, dude. But yeah, I you know, it's funny. I I tend to lash back out too. It's funny that you said the thing about the weight loss thing though, because you know I've lost weight and gained it back and lost weight. And I, and I I've fought my my weight my whole life. I just had a had a really good handle on it. Um, 
you know, during the heyday of Bowling for Soup because all I did was drink. I didn't eat, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just – you drink and then you wake up and you throw up and you start again, you know, and that's that's what you do, you know. And then you eat one chicken finger and you're like, dinner. Yeah. Um, but, you you know, everybody's a freaking personal trainer. Like even fat people are yeah. like, you know what you got to do is you got to do this or you got to do this. And then everybody's like, here's what you need. And everybody's got the advice. And I finally just have to say, look, don't tell me anything. Like I, I don't tell you things, you know, like I don't, I don't need that. Like that's, and it's also, it doesn't make me feel good. You know, like you keep up with Jonah Hill at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, as I, I, I feel bad for what he's go, going through. He, As, he doesn't like it. He doesn't no. want people to just comment on his weight. He's lost weight. He did what he had to do. He's he's one of our generation's great actors. Yeah. And everybody wants to talk about his weight loss all the time. And he's just like, listen, that hurts my feelings. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, like, and that's the whole thing, too. Like, you know, we I kind of put it out there. So and I've actually I'm getting back on track and I'm, I've started to lose weight again. And I'm not putting it out there. I'm not. I'm not going to tell people what I'm down or what I'm doing because I need this for me. This is, this is my journey sure. right now. But I, I, have, I have a buddy who had weight loss surgery, and he's lost over 300 pounds. And people say to him that he's cheated because he had the surgery. But like what people don't realize is anything's a tool that you use. Sure. And even when he had doing the surgery, he had to – he, no one works harder than him. This guy's in the gym every morning at 6 a.m., yeah. goes to work. He works a full-time job, and then he's back in the gym at night again. So like no one's outworking him, and that's a, that's what I try to get a, across to people is that no, it's it's the work with anything. You want to be successful, something you have to put the work in. No one's it's handing you or giving you though. anything. It's hard too though because like I'm tempted, and I know you've got to be at least a little bit to because of social media and stuff. Like if you're really committed, because if you do it online. It's going to get you good publicity, right? So it's got I, me like, more than comedy has. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, like I've gone through that of like, well, maybe I should just lose weight on TikTok, you know? And yeah. then, but I'm like, you know what, man? I don't really need, I need to do it for me, yeah. you know? And I need to do it for my kids and my my grandkids when I have them and, and all of that. I get it. I know what I need to do. It's just, I definitely don't need a bunch of people in my corner <laughs> telling me what I'm doing wrong. Well, that's yeah. the, that's the thing with so when you when you become public with it on social media, yeah, it's it's everybody telling you what you're doing wrong, and you have to do what they're doing, and got to do what everybody's doing. Even again, even if they're fat, you know, yeah. it's like, well, you know what I did when I lost this weight, and you're and you're look, you're like, I don't know that you did. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, listen, from one fatty <laughs> to another, I don't think it worked. Like, did you? you know? Like, <laughs> well, that's it was funny. So years ago, I've I've been struggling with weight my whole life, and. Yeah. When my mother was alive, you know, she struggled away too. And like I had lost like from 22 to 23, no, from 23 to 25, I lost like 150 pounds. And then I put it back on like over the years. Mm -hmm. And my mother had started like this workout routine and she was telling me like, oh, I, I get like kind of dizzy. I'm like, well, that's because you're not eating enough protein and carb ratio. And I was telling her this and she's like, and she wouldn't live. I'm like, my, you got to listen to me. She goes, why would I listen to you? She goes, right. you know, she goes, you're not doing it. And right. she, driving home from the gym one day, she actually got lightheaded. She pulled over, and next thing she knows, like the paramedics are pulling her back, putting the the, the oxygen mask on. I said, "Well," and they told her the same thing I told her. She goes, well, "I'm not going to listen to you saying it because you're not doing it." Like it's sure. the same thing. No one wants to listen it to. Really is, man, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I just don't feel like I. I feel like people, and especially with social media and stuff, 
people just speak out of turn. Just yeah, so, that's what's like, bad about you it. You really weren't asked. You know, like I didn't ask you for that. You don't have to tell me that. And, and like, I don't understand why somebody says needs to say. So again, I've been fat since 2014, and so you know, I, like a video will come out of me, and we're about to release a new video, and it's got me in it now. For sure, most people know I'm fat now, but some people will be seeing it for the first time and haven't seen me since Almost or the Bitch Song or Girl the Bad Guys One or whatever, and they're gonna be and you know, and then I've gotta you know read like. Well, the bowling for soup I know only had one fat guy, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. You know? And it's like, you know, first of all, if if you want to say something about me, make it count because yeah. I'm really funny and I can self-deprecate way better than you can yeah, just. I'm deprecate. better at this than you are. I could definitely, yeah. 100%. Like I will 100%, I will school you and then be careful. Because if I find your weakness, there will this is not this it's not even a competition. I'm going to squash you. Oh, I'm the same. I'm the same. Fast, you know, and, and like you. Like I'm I'm fast. You do not stand a chance against me. So don't let's let's just not even do it. But I'm like you though. I will like fucking sorry, I curse, but it's okay. You get like people getting you going or whatever, and I'll just finally just be like I hope you get AIDS. You know? And then I think people are mad. That is disrespectful to people with AIDS. And I'm like, well, then I hope they get cancer. Yeah. Well, that's disrespectful to cancer people. I don't give a shit. You whatever, know? Whatever, whatever is good, I want you to get it. Whatever the thing that they can get these days that people don't get butthurt about, I hope you get it. I hope that. you get it. Well, that's a, that's a kind of made me want to be a comedian was something like that. So when I was a kid, I saw the movie Roxanne with Steve Martin. Great movie. And there's that scene in the bar where they call him Big Nose, and he's like, you got nothing better? And he has to do 20 jokes that are better than that guy's. And right. there was something about that when I was a kid, and I was watching that. I was probably like 10 years old. I'm like, damn, that if I could just do that on stage. And that's when people come at me like that. I'm like, well, no, I could do better than that. And now yeah. you're going to hear it worse. Um, I, I've said things to people that I can't believe I said in my life that like, I think back, I'm like, well, cause they started though. They, they came at me first and I just was like, well, that's it. It's, it's on now. Do you self deprecate on stage? Like, do you talk about being fat and stuff? Um, not, not with my weight really. Um, yeah. cause there's plenty of other things I can self deprecate as far as my there's relationship. Enough, there's enough stuff wrong with you. You can stay away. From yeah, that. I can stay away. From, well, you know what it was when I first started doing comedy, I did nothing but fat jokes because they work. They got laughs. Yeah. Everybody. And does. there's this guy, John Trusen, who works at governor's comedy club here on Long Island. He's the booker. Mm-hmm. He was like, kind of like a mentor to us in a way, even though he hates when we say that. Um, but right. sure. He told me like I was about a year in, and he sent us our avails for the month. Like we, we used to do, you know, our, our shows. And he said, listen, he goes, at the end, it was, in, it was the beginning of the summer. He goes, the end of the summer in September, I'm going to ask you to do 10 minutes of brand new material, no fat jokes. He goes, because every town you go to, when you start doing the road, there'll be a heavy comedian. And he will do said jokes. Mm, interesting. Similar to yours. He goes, but now, what are you going to do to now stand out and make yourself different? Right. And you know what? I At first I was like, I was like, oh, my God, everything I'm doing is wrong. And I talked to a couple of comics. No, no, just if you want to do a joke about your weight, do a joke, but make it funny. Do it different. Yeah. And the first time I realized it was uh, one of the first road gigs I had, the host was also overweight. Hmm. And he was like nervous. He goes, do you do that? I'm like, 
you'll be okay, guy. Don't worry about it. And <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to step on you. That's not my job. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of the best comments I got. Like someone's like, well, you don't really do a lot of jokes about your weight. I'm like, well, I do it. Like I talk about losing weight and gaining weight and mm-hmm. just anything that happened. I'm more autobiographical. So yeah, I talk more. The, the more I'm self-deprecating about is my, I'm horrible at relationships. I'm not good with women. Right. Um, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, the life stuff that I'm not good at. That's what I really yeah. uh, am self-deprecating about. You know, it's funny. So two things about this. Um, you know, Louis Anderson used to do a ton about his weight. And then I read his book later in life and just what that was doing to him, like mm-hmm. what he was doing to himself. You know, we talk about mental health and stuff like that. Like he had he had he had managed to tear himself down so much that just his self-esteem was completely non-existent. And, you know, he did that to himself. Yeah. And. It's really sad. The other thing is, so I will do a joke every now and then, you know, like um, my first, you know, back, I was just like, I realize a lot of you think I ate the singer of Bowling for Soup, you know, or, you know, I, I realize I, you know, <laughs> it looks like I ate Guy Fieri or whatever, you know, because my hair. But the fans these days in this culture that we live in to where they, you know, they don't. They try not to fat bash. They try yeah. not to age bash. They try not to anything bash. And you get the right setting. They don't think that's funny anymore. No, they don't. You know, no. and it's it's an ever changing world of of like that. And and I'll tell you, my band doesn't think it's funny because they're just like, dude. I mean, like, you're, it's not nice. You're not being nice. You know. And, and my wife is just like, will you please stop doing that? But it's a defense mechanism. Yes. For me. It's one of those things to where if I say it first, it makes everybody else go, all right, well, he knows he's fat. We don't have to say anything, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, my, my brother one time, someone called him someone called him fat, and he was like, well, thank you for telling me. I didn't know that. I was, yeah, I yeah, that's, right. My, my, uh, someone actually wrote here on the comments, my friend Nick goes, uh, tell him about the heckler, ask how much you weigh. So I was on stage one night. I come out, and someone just yells, how much do you weigh? And without a second, I just said, five pounds less than your mother. Yeah. And that was like, and it just shut him up and it got like, the crowd was like, oh my God, but it's true now. It's people, it's, it's more acceptable to be overweight and, and people more accepting of things. And even when I started, you know, I got heckled the first time I ever went on stage. Someone yeah. said something about my weight and I just turned to him and I just unloaded on him because that was just my, my, sure. you know, my response to everything. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't mind I don't mind the hecklers. You know, I'm I'm like you. I mean, to me you're just and oh my god. And if and here's the thing, if there's two thousand people in there, it's two thousand and seven to one now. Yeah. Because like you've just literally just alienated yourself in such a way. And now you gotta take that now in different countries. By the way, this is some good advice for you. Do you go to the UK ever? I've never been to the UK, no. Okay. They don't like it when you do that. Really? Like, they think when you single one of them out, they'll just be like, whoa, now that's not very nice. I realize he just threw a cell phone at you and hit you with a nose and called your mother mother fat. But, <laughs> hey, listen, he's just trying to have a good time, you know? So, uh, anyway, word of advice. When I go to the UK, I won't do that. Someone actually said here, um, you're talking about, like, you know, when people giving you comments about, you know, gaining weight over the years. Someone said, well, I'm... I was a lot younger and thinner too back in 2006. So, right. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just it. But here's the thing: there's no accountability for that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I just don't understand. Like, the majority of the people are just like, I can't believe you can still fucking sing like that. 
and you're almost 50 years old. That's crazy, you know. But then there's just the there's just the guy that's, you know, there's just the, the you said it earlier though. There's the person that feels so bad about themselves that mm-hmm. they need to try and push you off the mountain. Yeah. Which it's it actually to be honest, it shouldn't really anger us. It should make us sad for them. Oh and yeah. Absolutely. I realize that's a super healthy way to look at it, but you and I can't do that. We've no. got to be like, no, I'm going to throw this back at you way harder. Yeah, it's, that's the way I'm built. Yeah. I'm not like, well, okay, let's talk about it and we'll have a conversation <laughs> and it'll be okay. No, yeah. I'm like, you know, here we go. Um, actually, I restrained myself the other day and I'm my, my boss told me I should have said something because I was at work and a guy came in um, – and he asked what kind of haircut I had. He goes, what's that haircut? He goes, you know, my son's got that haircut. Right. And I just said, yeah, it's called like a gentleman's undercut. And he goes, it's an asshole haircut. Ooh. And like, yeah. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing because he was then smiling and I let it go because I was at work and I get in trouble a lot from my mouth anyway. Uh, sure. But my boss was like, you could have totally just kicked him out. And I like, so now I know. But like people just say things and it's like, you know, how do you, yeah. why is that okay? Are you you still in Long Island? Yeah, I'm in Long Island. Well, and and to be honest, you know, I live in a world where everybody here is real nice, you know. So like in What's my that like? daily life, <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I, that's what I was about to say. I live in like where I live. People from <laughs> tell me about make believe. <laughs> people from Long Island or New York come down here, and they're like, uh, "Why does the salesperson or why does the person at Starbucks care about my day? I just want my coffee," you know. Yeah. And it's, Oh, no, they genuinely want to know, like, how your day is going. That's how we are in the South, you know, and uh, it's it's hard. But but that's the thing is up when you get up north and especially where you guys live for some reason. And, yeah. and obviously I've got great friends up there, patent pending uh, a band from right there in Long Island and a few others. And then my uh, my bass player lived in New York for quite some time. Okay. And my my uh, sound guys from there. But it's just like, yeah, people just say stuff now or, or or always have like y'all just say what's on your mind. You don't just think it, you know, so like just the fact that that guy and what did he hope to get out of it? Did he think you would think it was funny? Um, or, I think he was just a crazy person because actually I had yeah. a lot of issues with him after that. Um, OK, but, so maybe that's it. Right. Like just what really gets me when people come in and go, hey, big guy, that. Yeah, man, big guy's a big one for me. That my blood starts boiling. So a guy came in one day and he was like, "Hey, big guy, you must be Anthony." I said, "Well, you got half of that right, Anthony. Why did you have to add the?" I said, "Do you want me to start looking at you now and find the first thing I find about you and just blurt that out?" Yeah, because I could do that. And he was like, "Uh, uh," and my my boss is almost like, "Oh God, Anthony." Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's just no reason. I I hate. No, I hate big guy too. When I was skinny. People, and somebody would call me big guy, it would absolutely drive me bonkers because I used to be fat. You know, again, yeah. I've been fat since the fifth grade, and I'd just be like, I don't want to be called big guy. Don't no, call me. I hate you it. Know, like, I hate it. But, and it, so now that you're, now that I'm I'm overweight, it's like, and you too, big guy, and you know, yada, yada, just like, oh, God, I, I just, I don't want to be, I don't like that. I don't, I don't come in and go like, hey, big knuckles guy, or, you know, hey, earlobes. You know, yeah, I, I said it to a guy once I was I used to work at a supermarket deli um, in my later later teens, early 20s. And I was packing out one day and this guy's going big guy. And he's a regular customer. I know who he was. He's like big guy. And I just ignoring him. I'm like big guy. And he goes, Close. He goes, Anthony, I'm calling you. I'm like, no, you said big guy. This is right. the first time he said Anthony. I said, 
Now, I said, I said to him, I said, I'm going to call you tight pants because your pants are always tight. I said, there's no reason your pants should be that tight. I said, right. you're a grown man. Wear regular pants. So I would just right. call him, hey, tight pants. And he was like, hey, tight pants. Yeah. And he, like, he was like looking at me. I'm like, well, just say my name. I'm wearing a name tag. It says my name, first of all. It doesn't say big. It says Anthony. It says, you know, right. I've been here for three years. You know who I am. You're the first person I've ever met that also hates big guy. But I, I can't it. stand it. And I again. I mean, like I weighed 165 pounds, you know, during the heyday of BFF yeah. and somebody would call me big guy as if it were just like some sort of a thing. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 hold on. That's I, I that's not me. You know, like you must be talking to somebody else. Yeah. I mean, some people use it as a term of endearment. Yeah. Um, but yeah. no, like it, no one's ever said it to me. My family, you know, um, my family, when I was a kid, called me Cheese. That was my name. And now my right. nephews and niece call me Uncle Cheese. That's my. That's the term of endearment. They don't call me Big Guy. Yeah. My my uh, brother called me Fat Boy because he was always skinny. He's five years older than me. Okay. And uh, my dad called me bi- uh, uh, Big Boy. Called me Big Boy. Hey, Big Boy. You know, and uh, needless to say, I uh, I love – I still get along with my brother, but I don't really talk to my parents very much. <laughs> No, I'm lucky. My parents never, uh, never called me that. My brother too, like never, never was never like people. And I, I never got made fun of a lot in school about my weight because I guess maybe because I was so quick coming back. Yeah, were that, you? Did you play sports? Like, were you? Uh, like, did you play football or anything? Or did I, you even? I played uh, baseball. I played football a little bit, but like uh, the main sport I played was baseball. So I was. And did you pl- play baseball as a bigger dude? Yeah, I was uh, always like, a heavy kid, but I was a catcher. Knock, you could knock the hell out of the ball. Yeah, I was a good hitter. Um, yeah. My brother will. My brother will say that he is the greatest little league baseball player of all time. Right. He stands by that, and people actually have backed it up. Um, his wife runs into people they played little league with, like, "Oh my god, he was the greatest of all time," and like it just annoys her even more. But. Right. I was good. I was wasn't the greatest, but like I could hit the ball. Um, yeah. wasn't the best fielder, but I I was a decent athlete, and I think that's one of the reasons why it took me so long really to 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 think I had to lose weight because I could do all these things that people were doing. I was playing yeah. football, flag football, softball, baseball, and it got, didn't get into my late probably to my later twenties, early thirties that I I really had to start doing something because the physically just caught up. You know my. Uh... My guitar player is a bigger dude too, and uh, he's he's the original Bowling for Soup fat guy. And, yeah, and let me say, as as a big guy in our, my twenties, seeing that for the first time was actually very welcoming. Not- We're the OG band; nobody else did that, you know. And in fact, there was there I turned down a record deal uh, where they wanted to just sign me uh, because they didn't like the way that my band looked, and I was just like, I'm not going to do that, you know, yeah. whatever. And that doesn't make me a hero. That makes me a human being. Yes, absolutely. Um, but he, this is a little known fact about him. He actually majored in physical physical education. That dude can shoot three pointers all the way around the thing. He can knock a baseball over the fence. He can hit a golf ball. He can throw a football. He's like the best athlete. You can tell of- he's athletic when you see him on stage. This guy's crazy. He can do anything. And and you know, but it's just you know people. You 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 see a guy that weighs that much. Yeah, you know he just he's always been a big dude, man. You know that's and, my friend uh, Nick. He was he's he's fast. My friend Nick can run like like a like a skinny guy. He was like we were the first time I saw him run. He was a year ahead of me in school. So in seventh grade, I was in seventh grade. I played uh, football. He was playing eighth grade football, and we used to have to do these these laps. So you'd run, and then the last part you'd sprint. 
And the yeah. first time I saw him take off, I was like, oh, my God, this guy. And even as he got into older, he was always fast. And, like, on stage, no one rocks harder than him. I've seen this. He, right. I watch him play, and he's, like, he's like all-encompassing. Like, the, he's, a, he's a stage presence is amazing. And he's still a big guy, but, like, he could yeah. still – it doesn't stop them. And like, you know, it, to judge somebody on that to me is just yeah. ridiculous. Is Some of my- that is just, is just DNA, man. Like yeah. it's, you know, there's no reason that football linemen that size should be able to run as fast as they can. You know, like that, it just doesn't make any sense, but they can. My brother know? was a, my brother was not, he wasn't like a big, big guy, but my brother's built like a, like an, an athlete. He's got, he's wide back and he's, he's big frame and he was always fast. Like he was just, it was just built in him. Like he was a, a fast just kid. The, not me, man. I was no, always, I was slow. <laughs> no matter how much weight I ever lost, I was always. Me I, too. I was so slow. And like, I, <laughs> you know, like. I think I got slower as I lost weight. I guess. like. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's just there's just no. Re- I mean, you know, I only run when chased. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I if I'm running from a bear, it's gonna get me anyway. You I'm know? done. Like, yeah, I said the zombie apocalypse happens. I'm done. I'm just like hopefully I'm just not out of breath. You know, when it when it happens, so that I can en- <laughs> enjoy my being eaten alive. I don't yeah. want to be gasping for for breath when that happens. No, that, that that's the last thing a bear wants. Yeah, <laughs> is you know, it's prey to be all out of breath. You know and. <laughs> gasping for air man i just had covid and uh it's uh we we can change the subject from weight if you want but yeah go I, ahead no you can change I, it no 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 this is still on that top okay but i, I do have well, after this i do have something to ask you that uh, okay. I, I wanted I to ask COVID. where we go and i never got the thing in the chest like i never got any of that but man after i had the covid like it's just like i'd be going upstairs and i'm like my god like i think i'm gonna die and and I'd tell a few people that, and you know, one or two people were just like, "Yeah, but isn't it kind of hard going upstairs for you anyway?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Hey, listen, I know what I know what going up the stairs makes me feel like. If I'm telling you that I'm more out of breath, why would I just say that? I know you the know? different levels of being yeah. out of breath. Yeah, what are we t- I mean, like, I could go upstairs and I'm like breathing hard, and maybe <laughs> I could get a couple of sentences out before gasping. But this is like I'm doubled over, going, "I think I'm just gonna fall back down the stairs now." <laughs> You know, just uh, so one of the things I wanted to ask you before we end here, because um, I'm such a, I'm a big wrestling fan, huge wrestling fan. Yes. So how did this happen with Alexa Bliss? I mean, yeah, one great song, uh, I absolutely yes, love the song, and she's my favorite uh, women's wrestler. Is uh, always had since she came up from w- NXT, she's been my favorite. How, so how does that happen, man? Uh, it's the thing that I love about stories like this. Is that they're organic and real, yeah. you know? And this particular sorry, it's okay. Head, it's got wrapped around my. Uh, hold on, one second. I've been, I've been in my studio now today for ten hours. Oh wow! So I am having myself a nice beer. Um, you've earned it. I, uh, dude, it's the most organic of organic things, and this is how my life works. To be honest, like. This is just sort of the way that things happen to me. But my son, who is uh, turning 15 in a couple of months, uh, several years ago, just started getting into wrestling. And I had sort of caught wind that a few wrestlers were Bowling for Soup fans. But, you know, I didn't really read too much into it. But a couple of their names had kind of stuck with me. 
and we were at this wrestling event in uh, in Dallas, and I had gotten last minute tickets, so I I didn't call in a favor or whatever. I just got him tickets because I'm like, you know, I don't know really how much this kid is into this. And uh, we went, we had the best time. And this Alexa Bliss comes out, and I go, I tell him, I go, hey, um, I think that girl is a fan of my band, and he goes. No, and I go. <laughs> she is, and and he goes, send her a DM, and I go, oh, okay, yeah, I will. So I send Alexa Bliss just this random DM, and I go, hey, uh, we're here. My kid's a big fan. You did great. That was awesome. And she answers right back, like, oh my god, are you here? Are you in? Are you in? Uh, it's not called VIP, but it's like. Uh, Basically, are you backstage kind of thing? And uh, I go, no, I'm probably in about the cheapest seat you can get because I really didn't know what my commitment for this was going to be, you know. And uh, she goes, oh, my God. Well, next time, please do this. So we just kind of built up. Uh, we just had a conversation and, you know, I uh, I sent her a bunch of merch and she modeled it. You know, I sent her some Jarrett Reddick merch and some Bowling Pursuit merch. And uh, she, I sent her some for her friends and stuff too. And then um, this kid wants to go to Royal Rumble in Philadelphia that year. And I'm just like, well, you know what? Screw it. Let's just go. So I took my whole family, went to Philadelphia, went to Royal Rumble. Rumble. She takes us backstage. We met everybody. You know, I got pictures of my boys. So with jealous. All these cra- – oh, man, it's <laughs> crazy. But we got – you know, we got like some really cool – like inner workings of things and like, you know, who, you know, who not to walk up to and who to walk up to. And, you know, like I, I wouldn't ever say that, you know, on the air, but sometime when you and I are just chilling, I'll, I'll tell you a few. Okay. And, uh, but you know, my boys got to meet everybody and, and, uh, I got to meet, you know, everybody. And then, uh, that was that. Well, you know, we, again, kind of developed this friendship and, uh, I, I just would listen to that, listen to the music for these wrestlers. I'm like, all of it's cock rock, you know, like it's yeah. all just like this Midwestern, you know, sort of just, well, that's the best description. It's all just cock rock. I'm like, I, I don't understand why. I mean, pop punk people love wrestling. Like, why wouldn't there be one of these? So, uh, yeah, I just, I wrote that song for her with my best friend Linus and we recorded it. And I actually sent it to Alexa Bliss on her birthday, and she sent it sent me a video of her crying. Oh, uh, that's awesome! Whatever, and we got to be buds. And then she actually came to my house to uh, to do the video, and now she is uh, engaged to my friend Ryan Cabrera. Which part of them talking for the first time was talking about me? Which so I take credit. Oh for wow! Them. Yeah, on the way down, guy. That's how I know Ryan yeah. Cabrera. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. which. Uh, Everybody said they hated that song, but I could. I still, when it comes on my Spotify, I'm the windows are up and I'm top of my lungs. <laughs> Nobody really hates it. Like that's no. one of those things. Like it's just because he was on the thing with Ashley Simpson or something, man. But that dude does great, and he's an awesome human being. And uh, they're engaged to be married, and uh, he's he's from, from here, uh, okay. in Dallas. And uh, so I knew him when he was a kid, but he is uh, he's great, and they're great together. And uh, so, yeah, we've gotten to be uh, good friends. We'll be going to their wedding next year. And, That's awesome. Um, you know, super fun. I, the the most heartbreaking thing of all is not of all. This can't possibly be the most heartbreaking thing of COVID, but to me, it's pretty heartbreaking. Okay. But we, 
were likely going to be at WrestleMania and play her out. Oh. And do the Alexa Bliss song when she walked out. But, uh, of course, COVID swept in that year, and that was the end of that. But, um, yeah, she's been awesome. I, I, when we were doing the video here, I'm a uh, world-class r- championship wrestling guy So because I'm older. So Dallas used to have world-class championship wrestling, and here we had the Von Erichs and the Freebirds were the yes. big rivalry. So uh, I actually FaceTimed with Michael Hayes from the Freebirds. Gosh, you just you know, it's it's just crazy how life is, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, you talk about like the the whole pump punk, the pump uh, punk pop punk thing, and wrestling that happening. Um, it's in AEW though. There's a character Ruby Soho, and she comes out to Rancid's Ruby Soho. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, she um, she was Ruby Riot in WWE. Okay, and then yeah. she went over to AEW, and so CM Punk is there now, and he's. Like best friends with Lars, so mm. it worked and what's out. AEW where... is that the which one is that is that uh, homeboy the musician wrestler guy is that his what? So no, this AEW was started by so Tony Khan owns them, who's the owner of the Jaguars. He owns the this company, and he kind of started with Cody Rhodes, who's Dusty Rhodes' son. Um, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, they formed like this whole their own company. Like they got tired of like the establishment. You told me like punk rock. This is kind of like the most punk rock thing ever. Yeah. They literally said, "F you know the industry. We're gonna do it ourselves." Like all these guys was like they were in different. Well, a lot of them were in different places, and they weren't being used the right way. Like Cody Rhodes is the last like year, a couple of years in WWE. He was Stardust, and he was right. doing this weird character. But like he's he then he he went on his own and became like the biggest name in independent wrestling. When New Japan hooked up with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and then they had their first like pay per view before anybody even knew who these people were, they yeah. called it all in because they literally they put everything into this, all their money into it, yeah. And we, we, me and my buddy, paid fifty bucks to watch it that night, and we were like, it was also we had there was people that we knew, like you know, but we didn't sure. know there was no storylines; it was just matches, mm-hmm. and we were like. Every match was amazing, and every match was great. And now they've come out. You know, they've they're a regular company now. They have two shows a week on TV, and you know, my favorite CM Punk is back. So I'm I'm you know, I'm like a kid again watching it. You know, at at, at forty at two. Is, um, did it, didn't Jericho start when? That's who I was trying to. Think yeah, of. Jericho was the first champion there, and he is that he is too still or no? He um he's still wrestling there. Yeah, he's he's still doing it. That's what I thought. Yeah, yes. and he's uh, he does the band, and he actually comes out to his own song, uh, yeah. Judas. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I'd write my own. I'd make up a song. It'd be horrible. I come out to it, but I would just come yeah, out to my own, myself out singing to the, it. Yeah, you. I mean, that's fine. You still get that that placement money, and uh, yeah, and you, you know, then you get hit by a chair, and that's the end <laughs> of the night. <laughs> my, my buddy is a professional wrestler. He's a comedian and a wrestler. Um, and his one of his when he was uh, in a tag team, they were like. Their gimmick was they were like detectives, so they would come out to the theme from Beverly Hills Cop, which I thought was hilarious. Nice, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I it's funny. I get followed by tons of of uh, of wrestlers and independent wrestlers and things like that, and I I, I wish I knew more about it, but uh, you know, I try to follow them all back and and keep up with it. <laughs> it's uh, 
interesting world, that's for sure. Yeah, man. Oh, Jared, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, thank you for hanging with me a little longer than usual, but I, I was enjoying the conversation so much I wanted to keep, keep it going. I agree, man. I could talk to you for another hour, so have me back on again sometime, Oh, man. anytime yeah. you want. And please plug whatever you got to plug, websites, yeah. Instagram, everything. Let everybody know where they can find uh, Bowling for Soup, your stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, BowlingForSoup.com is where your thing, all things Bowling for Soup are. Uh, new single is out now called Killing Them with Kindness. Um, so check that out. A uh, new single next month called uh, I Want to Be Brad Pitt will be out in the new album in April. Um, everything I do is at JarrettReddick.com, and uh, I have a new country album coming out, um, so I'll be putting that up there. You can also just follow me everywhere, J-A-R-E-T-2113. Um, I'm pretty good about answering back or, you know, trying to respond if I don't hit me again. But, uh, you know, I try to be accessible at, at least as much as I can. You know, I, uh, you know, it's uh, life's good, man. I and, and that's pretty much it. That's what I got going on. Oh, and it's the it's tis the season. Uh, Bowling for Soup, uh, Merry Flippin' Christmas volumes one and two are out there on all of the socials. And then Jarrett and Kelly uh, get this Christmas right also add that to your playlist. Nice. Yeah. Hit me up. All right, oh, man. Thank last you. thing. Okay. Uh, Jarrett goes to the movies podcast, rockstar dad show podcast, uh, all of it at jarrettreddick.com. And, uh, you'll be glad you did. All right, Jared. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. This is awesome. I, I can't wait to talk to you again and hopefully yeah, you guys play New York. We'll uh, get together and hang out. 100%. I hope that happens. All right, man. Once again, thank you so much to Jared for joining us here on episode two Oh three of the Keep Moving Forward podcast with me, your host, Anthony Domenico, coming to you live every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Instagram at ComicAnthonyD. But as always, the podcast is available at www. I'm giving the old podcast again. I just changed the name. Again, kmfpodcast.podbean.com, available on iTunes, five-star rate and review. We are played in and out each week by Hollow and their single, Something to Believe, my best friend Nick wrote this song. Check it out on iTunes. And while you're there, his new band Demon Scar, he's releasing new music every month. Just dropped his first single also. Check it out at demonscar.bandcamp.com. Only one place to go Long Island for your deli needs. That's Finn's Deli, 4646 Merrick Road in Massapequa. Tell my brother Mike you heard the plug on the show and then get yourself an Uncle Cheese. Best sandwich out there, not just because it's named after me. It really is just that good. Check it out, finsdeli.com. Once again, I want to thank everybody who joined us on Instagram Live, Facebook Live. Bonus episode this week at patreon.com slash KMF podcast. Once again, thank you so much. I will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.